Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody, I want to welcome you to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. This is our Street Smart Spirituality Hour. It is one of the funnest hours of radio that I get to do. As a matter of fact, I love that word funnest. I was in an elevator uh, uh, about a month ago. We were I was on the Washington coast. We call it actually, you know, our Washington Ocean area. Uh, and I was driving up in the elevator. And I was talking to somebody. And I said, oh, my God, that's the funnest hat. And a little 13-year-old turned around to me and said, Miss, funnest is not a word. And I just thought to myself for, for a minute. And I turned around to the 13-year-old and I said, you know, it's not. It's actually a state of mind. And out of the elevator she went with her mother just turned around and looked at me and smiled at me. And I'm telling you, that's what tonight's show is all about. It's about state of mind. Just when you think you got your life all figured out. Just when you think you, you know, you, you, whether you think you're going to retire from a job or you're going to start a new career or you're going to start a new relationship and you think you, you think you got all the pieces of the puzzle in place. Maybe not all of them, but let's say, okay, 98% pieces of the puzzle all in place, 90%. All of a sudden, life throws you a little curveball. That's what we're going to hear tonight from my very, very special guest joining me here today, Jerry Gavin. And guess what? This publishing executive got thrown a curveball that I don't think he could have even anticipated. Not in his wildest dreams, not in a million years, not even in this lifetime. And for those of us that know what it's like to even be an executive and then to be doing what we're doing today, it is shocking. It really, it really does point to the illusion that all of us think we have about the lives we were meant to lead. For over 20 years, Jerry's been working as a communication empowerment specialist. He helps people bust out of whatever's holding them back, reach their full potential, learn to listen to the body, the mind, and the spirit. And he does this using so many of the fascinating, wonderful therapeutic techniques, ancient shamanic practices, and much more. But this is not the life that I think that he signed on for. And what you're going to hear today not only is about his life, but it's about his journey. It's also about messages from Margaret for the year 2012 and beyond. You're going to find out who Margaret is. You're going to find out what 2012 has to do with this. But more importantly, we're going to take you down the rabbit hole so that you can recognize situations in your life, which may be pointing you to go in another direction. Jerry, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Hi, Dr. Pat. Thanks very much. It's great to be on the show. So, you know, it's interesting. You and I were chatting a little bit before uh, we, we came on air and, you know, we were talking about uh, radio for me. And I have to tell you, I, it is, is probably the most unlikely 
career path or job or whatever you want to call it that anyone could have imagined for me. But you too have gotten uh, an, you know, a very interesting story. I mean, there is a rabbit hole that each of us get to kind of slide down. And I want to talk about yours for a minute. You know, here you are now out in the world, leading the world in so many ways, the author of Messages from Margaret. And at the same time, this is not necessarily something that you stepped up and said, sign me up. I would oh, like to talk absolutely about not. <laughs> <laughs> No, honestly, Dr. Pat, this was um, when all this began, which was uh, around 1990, this was easily the furthest thing from my mind as to anything that uh, that would have happened. As a matter of fact, I would say at that time, I was uh, probably as big a skeptic as uh, as anybody could have been, I I had never been affected by anything, you know, spiritual, um, otherworldly, or anything like that. So uh, there it was a really, as you said, you have these life changing experiences, and that was the time of my major life changing experience that kind of uh, got me on this path. Well, let's talk a little bit about how this all came came about for you, um, because I, I mean, you know, both of us, you know, ha, ha, we're going at our, about our lives, our everyday normal kind of lives, and yet we have been shown some extraordinary things. You know, for you, you know, this was a matter of uh, of you getting introduced to what you know we're now talking about as paranormal, whatever you want to call it. But, but this is not something that you said, sign me up. This is something that actually came to you and tapped you on the shoulder. I'd love for you to share this story with our listeners. Uh, sure, I would love to. Um, yeah, I, I definitely did not say sign me up. If anything, I was, was, was looking to get away from it. But how it all began, very simply, um, my girlfriend had purchased a home. Um, sold her one home, purchased a home, and, you know, beautiful little, you know, center hall, colonial house on a, a beautiful block, nice street corner house, and um, we moved into it. Everything was wonderful, and about two to three months into living in the house, we found out that the house was just incredibly haunted. Um, and that in itself, just the adjustment to, to recognizing that was something, because you know, in the beginning, when you start to notice all kinds of odd things happening, you try to chalk them up to your imagination. When things are moving around, you say, oh, I must have thought I put it here, and I actually put it over there. But then when it starts to change into things like hearing, breathing next to you as you're lying in bed, you know, and there's nobody on that side of you, or seeing actual apparitions of, of shit that are swooping in and out of the room, or... Uh, a mist that hovered at the top of the stairs, um, a room of the upstairs where, you know, regardless of uh, the fact that we were in the dead of summer, would range from 20 to 30 degrees below every other room in the house. These just were things that um, had us baffled. And, um, you know, regardless of if you're a skeptic or not, you hit that point where you have to say something is going on here. And, you know, the next question became, what were we going to do to try to figure it out? and Where could we go and, and, and how could we fix it? 
part of this though is really incredible though because you know i think most of us have these opportunities from time to time that show up and uh, you know you are being tapped on the shoulder for a very very specific reason and it's hard to really take a look and step back and say oh yeah that's right that's what was happening to me I, I, you know what does it feel like for you jerry what does it feel like for you you know now looking back how would you assess what this journey has been like for you? And, you know, wh- how would you describe what you've been called to do in this lifetime? Well, that's a great question. Um, you know, it's funny. Looking back on it now, there are so many things that make so much sense. Um, as I was saying, when when we were trying to figure out what to do to clear the house, we actually contacted a psychic who the only reason I felt comfortable contacting her because I was still coming from that skeptic point of view that she was actually a, a psychotherapist uh, who happened to be a very gifted intuitive at the same time. And she channeled a ceremony for us to do that was help us to, you know, to clear the spirits out of the house. But what was interesting is she was very specific about the fact that I needed to buy a compass and I needed to stand at the northeast end of every room that we did this ceremony in. And when we finished doing it and when we, we did it three different times and it literally was, was like, if I had not been there, I would never have believed the situation. It was like the things you see in movies with doors opening and closing themselves and drawers and furniture opening and closing themselves and knocking in the walls and things that you couldn't believe were happening. But when we finished the ceremony and everything was done, the house felt better, but I felt horrible, physically mm. drained like I never had felt before in my life. And what was interesting was my girlfriend, for some reason, before we did the, the ritual for the last time, had asked me to put a package of AA batteries in the pocket of my shirt. Had no idea why she was asking me to do that. She just said, I, I don't know why. I just feel so strongly about this. Please do this, you know. You know. So there I was, little Energizer bunny with my batteries in my pocket. And when we finished, I went to go take them out of my pocket, and they were half-melted inside the pocket. And for that next week after we did that last ceremony, I had the same effect on car batteries. I I went through three different car batteries um, on two alternators. It was, was getting really expensive at that point. And I called back the woman who had given us the ceremony to ask her what was going on, and she clarified that I was on the northeast corner. So that's really that's why all this is happening to you because this energy from the house passed directly through you. You were the exit of that energy, and you. Uh, the reason for that is that this is very important energy for you to recognize. You'll be working with energy in the future, so now you have the opportunity to know what this feels like. So when you get into this work, you know you'll be able to recognize it. And I have to tell you, Dr. Pat, at that point in time, that was the funniest thing I ever heard because after just having come through this experience, that was the last thing in the world I ever envisioned that I would ever be doing. The concept that I would do any kind of spiritual work and anything that had to do with uh, with paranormal activity was, was not something I saw in the cards that I would be doing. Um, Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I love it because it's funny. The last thing I ever thought I'd be doing is talking to somebody that's been talking to angels and having paranormal experiences. You know what I'm saying? 
sure, absolutely. <laughs> not, not in a million years would I have sat down. But, but here, but here you are, Jerry. I mean, here you are. We're going to talk about Margaret in a minute. You know, here you are, and I love to think about this as, I don't know, you know, maybe that whole show Touched by an Angel has, you know, grabbed me. But I like to think of of us being tapped on, on the shoulder. I don't know where I get that from. But it's better than being hit by a two-by-four. I mean, uh, how did you know to pay attention? That's the question. How did you know to pay attention? Well, you know, the funny part is in the beginning, I think I tried every way I possibly could to not pay attention. Um, <laughs> For me, in the very beginning, honestly, I needed to be hit two by four. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I it was it was a couple of years after this whole experience. Um, I wound up going to massage school, and the, uh, the the person who ran the massage school, beside being a really really gifted massage therapist, studied at the Swedish Institute and stuff. She had also been trained with Latin American shamans and Native American shamans. The, the tribal healers of, of, uh, of those peoples. And she would introduce little bits of those things at different points when, uh, when we would have like weekend seminar classes. And every time she did, I was the person in the class who would have these really profound experiences. I mean, if we did a, a trans posture that was supposed to honor the bear, other people would have these relaxing experiences. I would turn into the bear. I would have, I would have these unbelievable, uh, deep experiences. And, uh, you, you just could go so long fighting it until finally I just thought one day, you know what? I'm fighting and fighting and fighting and it doesn't seem as though, uh, that's working. So maybe it's time I start to look into why these things are happening. And that was the turning point where I started to study more with that teacher and then with some of her teachers and then some other people who came along and then a lot of my own just personal study where I, I got into the world of thinking about shamanism, about communicating with spirit guides and, and, uh, and power animals and learning all types of things. But what was curious was I had not ever through any of those conscious experiences of going in to do these things had never had an experience that involved angels. And the odd part was it wasn't a mystical experience that actually created that first experience. It was a very human experience. I, I was just going through a very hard personal time of my life. And for some reason, that particular night, I got to thinking about angels. And I, I sat on my bed and, and made this very kind of plaintive cry where I said, you know, I know if I knew your name, I would figure some way that I'd be able to communicate with you. You know, I know there, there are angels out there. If I just knew who you were, I'd figure out a way to talk. And closed my eyes, and it was as though I saw this white movie screen, and in very big, bold letters, the word Margaret spelled out. And again, like you said, I needed the two by four to hit me over the head because I shook my head and went, nah, that can't be the name. <laughs> and closed my eyes again, waiting for another name. And it came up again and closed them again. And it, after, you know, five minutes or so of this happening and seeing the same name over and over and over, I finally decided, okay, this is it. Margaret is the name, you know. And that was that kind of pivotal point when I started to communicate with her. Um, 
I started using this method called automatic writing. And I, I'm not sure if in other programs you might have talked to people about this, but the the concept behind it is that you write a letter, like you were writing a letter to someone who is your closest friend in the world, and asking whatever questions you really need help and guidance with. And then you start a letter back to yourself. And that was the part for me that night that was so weird because I'm thinking to myself, you know, this is this is really silly because I'm writing the letter. I wrote the letter to her. I'm writing the letter back. I'm the hand that's writing this information. So clearly I'm going to get back all the answers that I want to hear. And it could not have been further from the truth because the answers that I got to the uh, problems I was dealing with at that time were very kind and gentle, insightful. What's funny is they managed to tell me that 98% of everything that were the problems that were in my life at that point were things I had created and showed me how I had created them. But because that information was kind of coming to my heart and not going through my mind, it wasn't as though when a friend tells you that you get all defensive. It was very, very easy to accept. And and that was actually the very first communication that took place. Um, and from that point, I just began to write more and more letters personally. That started to expand to some friends that I trust to talk to about it. Because, again, you know, you mentioned Touched by an Angel. I yeah. think Touched by an Angel hadn't even come on television at that point yet. It was maybe a couple of years after that. So people really weren't talking much about this at that time. Right. And when you're first experiencing this, it's very hard to think of somebody you can talk to about it because who do you tell? You know, hey, I, I have a new pen pal and she happens to be an angel. <laughs> you know? um, it's, it's, uh, it's not something you just bring up in, in everyday conversation. So it took a while for me to share that information with people. But as I did, I found more and more people began to ask me, would you do a letter for me to Margaret? And that just expanded to hundreds of letters a year and then thousands of letters a year and um, developing a workshop to teach people how to communicate with their angels. And I look back at all of that now and now with her having asked me in 2010 to to help to write this book. And it's, it's like... Um, you and I, just before the show came on, you said a really wonderful thing, and I, I, I share it with the audience now. We're saying sometimes you think about the things that we're doing and you realize that, you know, yes, we're playing a part of it, but there's just this amazing guidance that you can feel behind all the different experiences, you know? And every step along the way, you just see this... Uh, amazing hand in the background that's kind of helped to bring you those experiences and uh it leaves you feeling just amazingly blessed you know and, and really I, grateful. I, I love that i love that we're talking about this we're going to share with everybody out there we're going to tell you you know a, a, a lot lots more about margaret but lots more about the book messages from margaret for the year 2012 and beyond very special guest today, those of you out there um, wondering uh, what this show is about. I want to tell you, you know, this is a, this show is about really being open. Uh, Jerry Gavin joining me here today, the author, as well as, as I've mentioned earlier for all of you, 
you know, this amazing individual who's opened his heart, opened his mind, and is helping all of us understand how to do that and how to do it in such a brilliant, beautiful way. You know, one of the things that I read in in the book, you know, is is a conversation and, and definitely penned by Margaret, you know, this idea about uh, talking with angels. You know, is this just for, you know, the 1% of the population or for everyone? And, and the answer that comes back is, is yes. So I want to ask you this question. Um, if all of us can do it, and 2012 is such a significant year, and I want to talk about that, you know, what is it, in your, your opinion, that holds us back? What is it that Margaret says, Margaret says to us about our inability to hear the messages from spirit and beyond, especially now? And I would love for you to talk about why 2012 is so important to her. Well, I think there are a couple of things that hold us back, and some of them are, are personal, but, but on a bigger level, one of the things that holds us back is that in the course of uh, of time, over the course of time, um, most of the worldwide religions that almost all of us belong to in, in one way or another have kind of set up a, a, a hierarchy of, of who has the ability to have a, a closer relationship with the Creator and a closer relationship with mm-hmm. angels. And mm-hmm. because of that, we've sort of, you know, we've set this situation up where we don't feel like we're worthy. We don't, you know, we don't think that we have a, a right to be able to have this this level of communication. And it's it's more or less like we do with, with so many other areas of, of life. Um, there are so many areas where we kind of know what we're doing and we might have tremendous gut feelings, but we turn our decision over to people who are the experts in, in individual fields because we think that they're going to have the, the better way of being able to do things. And in terms of, of our, our spiritual connection, we very much do that as well. We hand it over to other people and we say to those other people, you know, you, for whatever reason, are, are more blessed than me or you're more worthy than me so that you have the ability to have this level of communication. And what she does say in the book, and she has always said, is that everyone, every individual has that ability to communicate. And part of what starts it is the request to part of it is is asking part of it is actually reaching out and saying you know i would really really like to be able to speak with you could you you know could you speak with me could you share with me um you know these what you have and it's a it's a really really beautiful situation uh, funny I, I think the part of the book that you're talking about is that there was a, a point in the in in my early communication with Margaret, where I uh, I asked her that very question. I said, what it is about me that makes me be able to communicate with you and other people aren't communicating right. with their angels? What is what is about me that makes me special? And she has a great sense of humor, and her response to that was, there's actually nothing about you that makes you special. You're a very <laughs> normal, down-to-earth kind of guy, and you know our hopes are that if people can see that you can do it, they'll realize that anybody can do it. <laughs> So, and I think that was a, a great, a great quote on her part because it it is part of the 
of the desire to be able to say, you know, everyone has this ability. On a personal level, what yeah. holds yeah. us back a lot of times is mm-hmm. is our own energetic blocks that keep us from other things. The angels, for the first first of all, are are beings of so the energy that they convey is the energy of love. And if we're in a situation where that energy is blocked for us in our, our regular worldly dealings, it makes it very hard then for us to be able to, to further um, be able to to then open our, our hearts and our minds and things to to be able to hear communication you know, that's coming to us through our hearts if our, our hearts are going to close because of, of hurts and fear and grief. Um, in the Angels and Shamans workshop, which is a, a workshop that Margaret had asked me to develop to help people to communicate with their own angels, yeah. we go through different, different aspects of the workshop, which one of the first things that we do is help people to get grounded so that they're very much within their bodies and not thinking that being spiritual is a thing that's out there somewhere. It's it's something that's in here somewhere. And then we, we go through exercises to, to balance and energize the chakras, the energy parts of the body. And then one of the really big ones is a heart exercise that helps to release fear and grief um, that, that, are, that are holding the heart back from being able to to accept more love, you know, mm. and, um, you know, that's one of the things that I think really does prevent people from, from having that experience and being able to really kind of, uh, really kind of take it in. You know, I love one of the things you know, that Margaret of- says in the book. Um, you know, she talks about, and I think the question that, that comes up is why now? Uh, you know, why now? Why is this the time? And certainly if for you, it was 2010 to get ready for the message. And she talks about the level of fear, Jerry. And I, I really want to talk to this issue uh, because I think even for the best of the best of the best, you know, this per, this this pervasive or invasive, as somebody said to me, this invasive vibration of fear has become so uh, common that it's almost become a norm. It's so much right. so that the people in, you know, in, in, in my background profession want to change some of the psychology codes because so many people are anxious and they want to get rid of some of the states of anxiety and some of the disorders that they've, they've previously labeled because more people are like that. So it's not abnormal. And I wanted to talk to what Margaret says about fear. And, and, and what you are the messenger, uh, you know, to take out into the world to help us move beyond this. Well, one of the things that she says, and, and one of the reasons that she indicates that right now is such an important time for this message to get out, is because there is this, this pervasive energy of fear. And a lot of it we see every day. One of the, the examples she uses about it is, um, is the economy to start off with. And she talks about the fact that, you know, we all are creating the reality of, of this planet, not just by the actions that we take, and but, but actually by the way that we think. Our, our thoughts create the reality for our lives, and then our collective thoughts create a reality much greater. And while that might seem like, like a 
you know, to some people hearing that, that might seem like kind of a, of a, a woo-hoo sort of a comment to someone like, say, like a, a financial analyst who might not believe in these things. Well, if you think about it, isn't that exactly the same way that we deal with finances when we're talking about the economies of the world or the economy in the stock market? Everything is done on belief systems. You know, we will we will see a report that says that that the unemployment rate is down, but yet someone else, again, one of the experts that we give trust to, will say, yes, but consumer confidence is down. Well, well consumer confidence is a thought. It's how people think about what the economy might be, what's going to happen with, with money. We, we even, the stock market actually even deals in futures. So they'll, they'll buy sell stock based on what do they think uh, soybeans will be and what do we think this will be. So clearly the whole concept of money is all wrapped into thought. It's about what we think money is going to be. And that pervasive fear about money is one of the things that's causing this this global situation right now where every economy in the world is just so up in the air because people are so afraid of what is going to happen. And yet we see that when positive things happen, when a couple of positive reports come out, all of a sudden consumer spending is up, other things happen, and people will say, oh, the economy is on a rebound because the way we're thinking about it is changing. So that's one of the aspects of fear. The other aspect of fear is the fear of each other. You know, we we live in a world where uh, one of the myths that she, she tries so much to break in the book is that we are all one energy. We all came from the same creator. We are the same beings in different forms and not realizing that what happens to one part of the planet is being experienced by everybody kind of as a as an undercurrent. But we fear the people who are different than us. We fear the people who have a, a different skin or a different culture or a different religion because it's not something that comes from the comfort level that, that we know. And because we don't have this sense of an underlying um an underlying opportunity of, of of knowing that we are part of that same spirit, we're uh, we're afraid of them. But the good news, other part of that, which is the the thing that made 2012 so big, is that she also says the reason why now we have the opportunity to change this, like we have never had the opportunity to change this before, is because of the level of technology that we're now at. Um, because of things like Facebook and Twitter and email accounts and all kinds of other things, uh, Skype, you know, you name it, we have the ability to communicate with other people and other part of the planet in real time, you know, as though they were right here with us, even though we we go through time changes and everything else on other parts of the world. We are communicating directly with people. We're getting to know people we would never have had the chance to know. And those same tools are allowing people to mobilize their thoughts into one. I mean, when you, when you think about, um, there, were, there were kind of points in the book where I had been writing it where Margaret would stop the direction she was going in and move it into other directions because there were things that were happening in, in the world, like, um, like the overthrow of the government in Tunisia or the Arab Spring. 
Right. And these were things that these happened because individuals, people like you and me, got on Twitter and started to talk about, wait, this isn't right. And then someone else picked that up and someone else picked that up. And all of a sudden, there is a rise of people who come up against a government that has been entrenched for years and overthrows the government with barely a shot being fired in Tunisia, you know, and in other parts of the world, similar things. Here in, in, the, in the United States, the, the, the Occupy Wall Street movement that started because people started to just say, you know what, there's, there's just something not right here, you know. It's, it, there's something not right with our government being controlled by just things that have financial interest and not other aspects. So that's where she says there is this chance now for communication and for people to realize a oneness that they have never, ever known before. And 2012, part of her concern about the fear, too, is that, you know, between the movies about 2012 and the um, and the predictions of 2012 being the end of the world because of the Mayan calendar, she wanted to make it very clear that that's not the case. The world mm-hmm. is an ending, that it's not a time of cataclysm. What it is, is it's a time of creating basically a new world. And the ability was there now for us to be able to to really change the world, to become more of a global community, to to embrace the fact that we all have a direct relationship with the Creator so that regardless of our um, political affiliations or our religious affiliations, we start to realize we're all one people. And and we do that literally one person at a time and one thought at a time. I love this because, you know, and for those of you just tuning in, we're going to take a short break here. Uh, Jerry Gavin joining me here today. The book, I love... Honestly, messages for Margaret for the year 2012 and beyond. Jerry Gavin um, has written this, and and this is angelic advice. We've been talking about Margaret and how it, Margaret reaches out uh, to share these messages. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about what we're all called to do. You know, what is it about the way that we look at the world? What is it about this thing that we now are talking mainstream, this level of vibration and energy, all of a sudden, that you hear in our pop culture, what is it about? And Jerry, just to set the stage, I want to just share this little short story and then we'll go to break. A little water cooler conversation that I overheard. And it's interesting that Margaret talks about the glass half empty, half full in the book. Interesting conversation going on. Let's just call it water cooler conversation. One guy says to another guy, hey, Joe, what do you think? Do you see the glass half empty or the glass half full? And without missing a beat, he said, did you see the stock prices today? There is no glass. Let's take a short break. When we come back, let's see what Margaret has to say about that. Jerry Gavin joining me here today. When we come back, we're going to be talking about what 2012 could mean to you individually. Is it possible for you to move beyond your fear, to move beyond your anxiety, to take your message out into the world? Is it possible for you to do this even though what you see in the outer world, the practicality, the resources, even though you don't, you think to yourself, I just don't see how I could get this done. When we come back, we're going to talk with you and, 
and 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 Jerry's going to help you see that you don't have to do it alone. You're listening to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. Jerry Gavin joining me here today. The website, jerrygavin.com. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back. Did anyone teach you to be a parent? What if there were tools that could make your job a whole lot easier? Glenna Rice invites you to be the questionable parent you truly be in a dynamic teleseries designed to empower parents to know that they know and give you the awareness required to create ease and joy between you and your children. Check out GlennaRice.com to learn more and to book a private session. Or dial 415-235-2807. Gratitude asks abundance, tell me, who are you? I would like to meet you and get to know you better. Gratitude responds, I am that which offers you the ability to multiply yourself according to your desires. I am that which sees you everywhere I lay my glance. I am that which opens wide the arms to you so that you can express your nature constantly. Gratitude is on a mission to create unlimited abundance by allowing it to circulate through you. Wouldn't it be wonderful to cultivate this unlimited creative potential every single day? Stimulate the energy of the essence of gratitude in your life by expressing your own desires of abundance and placing them in our seven spheres of gratitude origami box, which emanates powerful vibrations that transform your life in health, creativity, wealth, and enriched relationships. Visit our Gratitude Living Boutique at explorationgratitude.com. Tune in each Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern for the hit show, Out of the Fog with Karen Hager, the Fog City Psychic. Spark your spirit and ignite your soul with spiritual conversation and enlightening guests that will help you get clear and catapult you into action. You'll meet metaphysical movers and shakers, intuitives, spiritual visionaries, and more. Want an on-air reading? Karen's down-to-earth style and lively curiosity delivers the compassionate, no-nonsense, intuitive advice that's become her trademark. Visit FogCityPsychic.com and book your reading today. Welcome back, everyone. Hey, you can get a copy of Messages from Margaret just about anywhere, but go to the website, jerrygavin.com. Check it out. Uh, you'll learn more about Jerry, the workshops, his work, you know, some of the personal readings, what it means to raise your vibration. Um, he also has a blog. Very, very cool stuff. Um, here, here, Here's what's really amazing about having this conversation with him. And Jerry, I said this to you before. Never in a million years, if you'd asked me back in 2003 that I'd be sitting here talking with you about an angel whose name is Margaret, that probably would have meant that I was smoking something or <laughs> that, you know, somebody put a little something in my drink. But right. here we are. And 2003 is not that long ago. What's so interesting for me is that I didn't quit doing this. You know, I started this this path out paying for radio myself. All of my friends, my family, everybody around me thought she is not well. And yet I sit here today and I get to talk with you and I get to read a book like Messages for Margaret. And I get this sense, and maybe you can talk to this, I get this sense that there is a master plan. And that we have a responsibility, even if we don't know what it is. 
And I did mention the glass half empty, half full. What do you think about what the with the, with the guy at the water cooler said? Hey, looked at the stock mar- stock market. There is no glass. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because Margaret mentions that in the book, and and the way he responded to it, I think, is very much the way she talks about it. She she says that in in the world, the way we see it right now, there are two groups of people. There are those people who see the glass is half full, and we call those people the optimists, and there are those people who see the glass is half empty, and we call those people the pessimists. And she said, the fact of the matter is that what the for the average person, if they see the glass of water, their question really is, is it tap or is it bottle? <laughs> so, and she, and she brings that up because she said, that's a good thing, because it speaks to the human situation, that you know it's it's embracing your humanness it's recognizing the fact that what that water is about is you know somebody looking for what's the best situation of what's there for them to to take in for themselves mm. and it's that it's that desire for people to try to find out how to take care of themselves and i know sometimes people will say well it's like a, a what's in it for me thing but what she says is the vast, vast majority of the planet are individuals who are getting by every single day, trying to figure out how to best take care of their families, trying to take care of paying their bills, being as good a person as they can be, you know, helping out with their families, doing all these different things. That's the vast majority of the planet. And these are people like you or I who would just not have thought that you could have an impact on the world, that there's something that that you would be able to do. And what she says is that the very the very act of trying to to elevate our thinking, the very act of trying to to change our own vibration, is what will we'll actually begin to do that because it starts to take on domino effect, if you will. Um, she uses the, the example of, of ants, and she says that, you know, in, in the ant kingdom, when one ant, you know, picks up a, a piece of food or something that it's trying to bring back, it will carry that piece of food as far as it's able to possibly carry it, yep. and then it will just leave it there. And then, unbeaten to it, another ant will come along and pick up that piece of food and carry it. That second ant has no idea that that piece of food has been carried by that other ant, to that point. All it knows is that it's carrying that piece of food for a little while further. And she says that's the situation that happens with us in the terms of our human energy as well. We we kind of do the best that we can to become the very best people that we can be, to, to elevate our energy, to get ourselves to a point where we're not... Um, we're not thinking of ourselves as as victims, but thinking of ourselves as creators, and recognizing that we are really powerful beings. Um, she describes our souls as, you know, so much bigger, Doctor Pat, than I had ever ever imagined. I mean, I had always come from the concept of thinking that we have a body, and during the period that we're alive, our soul, you know, comes into that body so that we're alive, and then you know, use that body and our body dies and then goes back to heaven and makes a decision if it's going to come back into another place. She describes the soul as being immense and being able to put its energy into many, many different things at one time. 
and always existing regardless of how things it's it's putting its energy into. And we have that ability to actually tap into that energy. We have that ability by kind of raising our vibration to understand a little bit of the bigger the bigger us, you know, the the some of us will will call that the soul, some of us will call that the higher self, but that we have that chance to to access this greater end. Um and we can do that with angelic help, which is the the thing that I think was so exciting to hear. Um mm-hmm. angels angels are so anxious to be able to help us, but their hands are sort of tied because we have this very special thing called free will. And for them to act without our asking for it is in fact acting against our free will. It's it's putting us in situations that we've not put into our own creative, you know, format. And I know you'll talk about the direction that, that you took and we both talked about, yeah. you know, how this has been an experience where we feel like we've been divinely guided. But the fact is, along with that divine guidance, there's also been actions that we've taken. You you put your money into that radio show. You know, you stayed with it so that it grew from that one station to another and another and another and grew bigger. Um, you know, for me, it was the same situation in in sticking with writing the book and, you know, trying to, to, to fit it in amongst the different things. So it's the decisions that we make and the, the time that we kind of put into to trying to to learn more about who we are that allows us to lift our energy. And there's specific individual things that, you know, I can talk about toward the end about just exercises and things yes. we can do that are so yeah. easy that change our thinking and put us mm-hmm. into so much more positive and empowering a, a place than we, we ever would have imagined we could be in. You know what I love about this? And you and I, you, you have to come back. we got to do a part two on this because I'm not even scratching the I would the love to do a part two. You know, here's what I love about this conversation. And, and you know, this has been my greatest challenge here recently. I'm going to make a true confession right now. And an enormous epic opportunity. It is this idea that a free will that you're, you've just talked about. And this is what I love about this. The reminder, this conversation with you, with you tonight is absolutely going to catapult me to finish my book proposal. But here's what, what, what you've reminded me uh, about through Margaret and through what you've learned. We have the ability to say yes. We have the ability mm-hmm. to say no. We have the ability to say nothing is the same as saying no. And what I've discovered here recently, and you just reminded me uh, uh, of this, uh, especially through your own story, is that we are given messages through opportunities because we relate, Jerry, to the material world. We relate to the physical, right? And so things show up. You know, things show up. Uh, For example, uh, you know, why isn't my book proposal done? Well, Margaret knows the answer to that. I know the answer to that. It's just me procrastinating because, you know, whatever fear is going on. And yet there have been so many angels that have shown up to say, do the book proposal, send it to me. But I will tell you, 90% of the time or 95% of the time I've learned to say yes. Don't you think, though, Jerry, it's that last 5% of the time 
that's like the whipped cream on the Sunday. That's the one where we really need to say yes to step out into the world in the just enormous way. And I think that's what Margaret is saying. Each of us is really pretty ordinary. I'm ordinary. I come from the Bronx. I barely graduated high school. I was homeless at 17. I just said yes and got behind a microphone and just kept talking. Don't you think, Jerry, that that what you and I are really called to do in that 5% is help other people's help other people uh be called to shine? Absolutely. And I think I think the situation for you and I as well and you know, I know Margaret had made that comment in that joking sense about, you know, people would see if you can do it, that anybody can do it. Right. I think that that's really important. And yeah. I think it's, it's the, the, the fact is that when, when the messengers are the same people who, who live next door to you and who are, who are the people that you would never imagine are going through this experience because they're just, you know, they're the, the the guy that you'd feel just as comfortable sitting down and having a beer with as you would having a, politi- a, 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 a you know spiritual conversation about angels. That gives people a sense of this guy isn't so different from me, you know, and, and that that makes the whole concept I think more accessible. But like what you were saying about your book, and this was the same thing um, that I went through as well. What what made me petrified about writing the book was that, you know, there were a lot of people who I knew that, who knew that I did this kind of work, but there were a lot of people who didn't know about it as well. And for me, writing the book was clearly coming out of the spiritual closet for the world. I mean, everybody and anybody who knew me now would know, you know, hey, this guy thinks he talks to angels, you know? And the that was frightening and the other thing that was frightening was this feeling inside of me that I would look at all the wonderful people who had written books and I would say why why would I do this you know what about this book is going to be any different from all these other wonderful things that were written and and it was a it was a frightening concept to to do that thinking that you know I'm 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 wasting my time doing this but there was this there was this overwhelming, you know, desire to do it, and then, like you mentioned, all little coincidences that would uh, that would take place. And I have to also, uh, Pat, I have to give credit also to uh, to my girlfriend on this too, because at points when I would get my lowest and I would really be thinking, I'm exhausted. I'm trying to do all these other things. I'm trying to write this book, I, I, you know, and I would make the excuses where I just didn't have time to finish this or I, I didn't have time to edit. And she would say, well, that's okay. You know, just do what you need to do. And, you know, it's just, you just have to remember you either believe or you don't, you know? And, oh my God, I would get so irritated when she would say that, which would just make me get right back to work. <laughs> well, I, I want to tell you, I, I want to borrow your girlfriend right now. I would like to borrow your girlfriend right now. Well, you know what? Because she's borrow, an angel. Borrow that quote. Uh, borrow that quote because <laughs> okay. you either believe or you don't. Was Absolutely. The, the quote that just played through my head in doing everything to get the book done and then to try to reach out to, to people to, to help to get the word out and it is it is pivotal words that fit then in everybody else's life because 
we all have these things that are our dreams. We all have these things that we would would like to try to do, but we don't believe enough. We don't have the faith in ourselves enough to be able to to want to go ahead and do them. But more importantly, we don't understand that we have a support network behind us, that if we just ask for help from that support network, you know, we'll get it. You know, we'll we'll get that assistance if we um if we just ask for it. And that's the part about angels that I I, I want so much. I, and one thing more just about the fear sure. factor aspect. Yeah. Margaret said a really interesting quote as well. She said that if you look at the Bible, if you look at other books that talk about the appearances of angels, that angels have appeared to people all over the world through all points in time. They have always brought the same message, always began every message that they've brought with the words, fear not. And she said, we didn't bring that message because we're frightening in front of people. She says, as a matter of fact, when we appear to people, we appear to them with an energy that's very loving and kind and and uh, and embracing. The fear not is an instruction. The fear not is to let people know that it's fear that cripples us from doing the things that we would do and from being the beings that we would be. And interestingly enough, throughout history, they've always appeared to people who were fairly common people and taught the same message to every single one to say, we, you know, come to let you know we're all one, we're all connected to the Creator, the Creator loves all of you, we're all big, one happy family. And then somehow that message would get turned around as soon as that that person saying that message wasn't there, and that person then would become an icon and a religion was developed around them. And she said, it's just so sad. The message gets lost each time we we try to, to deliver it, that, you know, this is here for everyone. Everyone is a part of this. You know, you're so right. Thank you for reminding me uh, of that. You know, the Bible is just one one scripture, one form uh, where angels are, are written about. But you go through and you look at all the many, many places. We, but some of the things that have been said about angels are just so beautiful. You know, and I remember one quote, and I know I'm not going to get this right. I, I'm pretty sure. I'm. Please, folks, please, I apologize. You can email me if I don't get the scripture quote right from the Bible. But I remember something that I, I that I never forgot. I remember a quote. It was something like this: He will give you his angels. Uh, he will give you his angels charge of you. Uh, to guard you in all your ways. I know there's a quote in the Bible like that, and I never forgot it. And, you know, of course, uh, this is if you, you know, or you are with, uh, believe in God. And there are many traditions that say the same thing, Jerry. They just say it in different mm-hmm. ways, don't they? Sure. Absolutely. Uh, in, in, uh, there's a chapter in the book that's called, um, One Creator, Many Religions, Always Angels. And it speaks to that, that in, in virtually every religion that exists in the world today, there is the appearance of some type of, of, of angelic ent- entity. And each one of them, they are, they come here to, to serve and to guide and to be able to, to offer assistance. And, um, it, they're, they are, are, are omnipresent in, in every single worldwide religion. So clearly there has been this, this, uh, uh, this this message that they've been trying to get you know out there for a, 
a very, very long time. And in, in this book, in, in Messages from Margaret, I think one of the things that I love about it so much, and I, I kind of feel like I, I, I can say that, you know, because although, you know, technically I'm the author of the book, when you, when you channel a book, it's, it's as though you're reading at the same time you're writing it. I mean, maybe after the fact you may go through editing processes to kind of make it read better, but all these different things, I would read them in the same way that, that readers now read them. And there were things I would read and just be, oh my God, that's amazing. I never would have thought of this or or I never would have thought of that. But what I love is that she has this way of taking very complex esoteric quantum physics concepts and explaining them so simplistically uh, in such a down-to-earth manner that you kind of want to, you know, it's like that V8 commercial, you want to like bop your head and go, oh, yeah. why didn't I get that before? Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, uh, I love that about it. She uses a lot of great computer analogies, um, you know, just different different ways to for people to relate to you know, things that they know in their everyday life and, and how that relates to energy. Um, what, one other thing I just wanted to say about energy, sure. you know, when you when you talk about energy, a lot of times people, you know, when you start to talk about energy, their eyes kind of glaze over and they're kind of like, oh, I don't know about this energy. But we all do, and I don't think people realize that how much they do. And I just want to give the most basic example of how we do every single one of under how energy works. All of us have those people in our lives that are the kinds of people that they walk into a room and they just light up a room. They walk in, you're so happy to see them, everybody in the room flocks around them like they're a planet that has a gravitational pull. And they have so much energy, so much life, and so much love radiating from them that they literally lift your energy up. I mean, you just love being around them. I, I yeah. know I have people like that in my life. Everybody yeah, I've do. ever talked to and I ask this has them. On the other side, we all have those people in our life that the telephone rings and you almost know it's them from the way the phone rings. It's like you could identify it. And you look at the caller ID and you say, Oh, I just can't talk to them right now. They're they're always sick or they're always complaining about something or you know, I I talk to that person and I literally I just feel all the energy sucked out of me and I, I start to fall asleep when I talk to them. And that literally is someone who's going through a time of their life where their energy, their life force is so low that when they are around other people, rather than like that other person who elevates their energy, they are like sucking the energy out of you. So we do experience it. We experience those things every day, but we don't, you know, we don't realize that that's energy we feel. We know the people who make us feel fidgety, you know, right. they kind of make us nervous. Right. We know we're sitting at our desk and we know when somebody's behind us looking at us, you know, because we feel that person's energy. So energy is a very mm. common thing. What we don't realize is that we have the ability to do things that will elevate that energy. I love and it. Some of them, uh, and some are just so easy. They're so simple. To do. Well, we'll have to bring you back. And so we can share those because you're absolutely right. Each of us does have the, that power and potential. Jerry, thank you so much for joining oh, me Oh, you're today. so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. 
And I want to just mention, everybody, messages from Margaret. Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful book from the year 2012 and beyond. Jerry Gavin, go to his website, jerrygavin.com. I want to thank all of you for tuning us in, turning us on. We're going to bring Jerry back because we didn't even scratch the surface here. Uh, I really want to talk about the soul. Thank you all and have yourself a fabulous, fabulous rest of your day. And remember, each and every one of us is called to shine. Let that light shine for yourselves today. We'll see you next time.